0: The entitled, the title, actually, is Instructions for Godly Living. It is said in scripture that God has given us through his word everything that we need <coughs> to obtain salvation, to obtain heaven, to know how to live, to know what to do, to know not what to do. And overall, we could say, be successful. Successful not only in spirituality and godly living, but in our own lives, in our own personal lives. He's given us us instructions on how to do those things. How can we be successful? And throughout scripture, he has given us those treasures to be able to hold on to. And Peter writes here concerning how to live godly. I believe if there's anything that we need in our society as a whole, but also in the Lord's church, is instruction on how to live godly. As the scripture was read just a moment ago, how to live holy. Now, we're not thinking about how to be holier than thou, which a lot of times I think we lessen the the, uh, the importance of Scripture sometimes because we're afraid that we're going to appear holier than thou. But let me tell you, it's okay to be holier than the world. It's okay to do that. It's the attitude in which we present ourselves is where that becomes... a a problem so as you look in the introduction the very first statement god desires men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and then it says right behind that first timothy two and four many individuals will not Our Lord describes it as a narrow gate, a broad way, one leading to eternal life, one leading to destruction. And he describes it that there will be a many who will go into destruction. We could possibly say a minority group and Christians have always been what? In the minority. In the minority. If we're not, maybe we're not living godly that makes sense yeah um we it's okay to be in the minority and sometimes we 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 don't people don't find themselves you know in that in that group um, we have the ability to choose the path our book tells us um We can follow, we have a choice. The book lays out, we have a choice. Every person in this room this morning has a choice to follow the wide way, follow the narrow. You have a choice. You have a choice to live godly or you have a choice to live ungodly. Uh, So it's not something that's new to us. But the book does point out that we must choose. And it's another important point there the book points out is that we must accept whose terms? God's terms, not ours. Not our terms, but God's terms. You see, that's the key. As we're going to have our sermon this morning about uh, saved by works How works and grace Play a part That's one thing that people want to do They think that they're good works If I do enough good That's going to get me to heaven. Well, most certainly works are good James tells us about that But there's other things that go into that and following and accepting God's terms is important as well. The book speaks of submitting at the bottom of that page in the introduction there on number one. Submit to God. Not only submission, but what kind of submission? Humbled. Humbled. What is humble submission? Somebody tell me. What is it? Y'all wait back there in the back, right? Look to God? Yeah. Not to. think yourself better than someone else. Humbleness. Oh, yeah. Is, is humbleness an attitude? Wait a think. It is a source of attitude, yes. Comes from our spiritual heart. Humbleness. Uh, that's a key thing submitting in humbleness because if I'm humble I'm pretty much going to do whatever you tell me to do now a good example of that is when I was a kid maybe when you was a kid when we got in trouble we we probably wasn't too humble before we got in trouble we want to do it our way we're going to do it our way no matter what maybe they already told us don't do it that way but we went ahead and done it that way and we got in trouble but then here come the correction when I knew I was in trouble I was very humble my attitude was yes what would you like me to do (laughs) you see that's what we're talking about having that humble humble spirit that's what we need with God God what will you have me to do How would you have me to do it? You know the key. Uh, So again, uh, the scripture there in Titus 2.11 says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That great gift we speak about, grace. Unmerited favor, if you will. Our Lord is described as eternal salvation uh, the author of eternal salvation, to those who what? Obey him. That's the key. Obey him. Um, so it's from that statement we learn two important truths the introduction lays out. First one, Jesus is able to provide eternal salvation... That's why he's described as a savior. He gives you the scripture there to back that up. Secondly, our Lord provides salvation to those who obey it. Now, there's a key statement right there. It is not enough to be what? Religious. Just religious. If St. So, would never have Peter come that's true. That's exactly right. It's not enough just to be religious. Now, that's contrary to what we see in the world today, right? That's contrary to what we see a lot of times in the Lord's church, unfortunately. Some people think, well, if I can just appear to be religious, or if I can be that way for a part of the time, or if I can do whatever, enough works. But that's not enough. Scripture points that out. We must be obedient because our Lord addresses that in Matthew 7 and 21, doesn't he? Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall what? That's right. Yeah, the key. He that doeth the will. So our text in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25, the introduction lays out, emphasizes the necessity of obedience. He urges his readers to respond to be obedient children, um, simply trust in the relationship we enjoy with God. Woods, uh, Guy in Woods there puts an emphasis on it. Uh, The Essentiality of obedience to sonship, pointing to the fact that one becomes a child through obedience, and obedience continues as a child. The blessings, hopes, joy, and privileges of sonship cannot exist in the absence of obedience." Now, a lot of people today want the blessings of God, but they don't want to do anything that he's asked them to do or do all that he's asked them to do. You see, that's the key. Um, People want those things. God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, Um, but I don't want to do... What God has asked me to do. Last section down there uh, if we wish to be redeemed by the blood of Christ, again, same emphasis, we must obey God's plan. Um, And that's precisely what Peter's audience had done there at the bottom of the page. Purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another, fervently pray, or fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. He says, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible. How? Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now you flip over and you see holiness. Um, I think the the first sentence there sums it up. Christians must what? Live differently than the people of the world. I think that sums it up. But I think a I think a appropriate question this morning could be, are we living differently than the world? Now I'm not I'm not talking about just on Sunday or Wednesday. Um. Throwing out the thought here about uh, all through the week, are we doing that? Right now is vacation time. Uh, a lot of you have been on vacation. In uh, a few weeks, uh, we're going to be going on a vacation that we, uh, we haven't had one in several years now, as far as going away. Um, we're going to try to take them and, and go on one. Question is, will I live godly on my vacation? Do we take God with us on our vacation, or do we take a vacation from God? Now this is a vacation time of year. Everybody's everybody's hitting it. Uh, you know that's the question. Do we? How we're going to? Do we do it? Do we do it all the time? Are we living differently than the world? Um. And the in the book even lays out there. Rather blending in uh, with those around us, we must be holy. What's that? What's that lizard that blends in? Uh, a chameleon, chameleon or a chameleon, chameleon. Okay. Um. Whatever environment that they're in, they can adapt to that and be. I think sometimes we find Christians that way, don't we? Um, They'll adapt to the environment which they're in and blend in. Separated from sin and therefore consecrated to God. Peter, according to Peter, how do you begin that process? What does he say? Yeah, even you use the scripture there in verse thirteen of our text. You know, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Uh, I guess a, a a picture of that would, you know, they they wore those long tunics or whatever, and get ready to run. And I guess the thing we could probably think about—you ever had? You ever anybody ever done a a sack race when you was a kid? Get in a sack and can you run in that sack? No. No. Uh, Now, if you cut a hole in it, stuck your feet out, could you still run in it? No, it'd be hard. But if you pulled it up, so that's what we're saying. Get your mind ready. Don't allow anything to restrict you. Get yourself ready to go um, and prepare it for action, the book says. How do how do we do that? How do we prepare our minds to be holy? What do you think, class? Fill your mind with material. Word, really. Now does that take effort? Sure it does. Yeah. Does that take time? Sure it does. Yep. It takes work. It takes work. If you want to be holy, it takes work. Um if you want to be like the Lord, it takes work. So we have to make those decisions in our lives to do that. A lot of people think Christianity is just a... I'm baptized and I'm in and that's all I got to do. Well, that's not the case. Um, Peter urges his audience here to, to take action. Um... You know, one of the commentators there writes, "To be a Christian was much more than basking in the hope of an eternal inheritance. It was more than reflecting on the gracious gift of God, a gift God had given them. Um, living that holy and and godly life, those who seek must be must live holy, or must be holy and must live as obedient children." Verse fourteen. Christians must not conform to their formal sinful ways. The word conform there, meaning to be fashioned into something. Ah, The practice of adopting for oneself a pattern or mode of life. Mindsets. Purposes of the culture in which we are a part belongs to the time of ignorance which we did not know Christ and we live like the world. Um, so again, being obedient. So Peter lays that out. He says "You to be holy, you're going to have to be separated from the world. You're going to have to take an action in your mind and you're going to have to fight against being conformed or blending in with the world. Now, at the top of that page over there on page 17, conformity is a lack of obedience that adopts the attitudes, mindsets, and purposes of the culture in which we are part. Um, that's lack of obedience. Uh, conformity is. We want to conform. Why do we want to conform? Why, why, why is that such a temptation for so many people? Yeah. It won't be different. People cuts down the difficulties of life. Cuts down on the difficulties of life. Yep. Yeah. Basically just growing financial aspect of life In a lot of you know, in a lot of ways to be holy in a world in which we live today. One may have to, one may have to change jobs. One may have to, you know, uh, do some things that are, that are, you know, not they don't want to do. Uh, I've experienced that through the years. You know, I, of course, I had to feed my family, but I had to, I had to. I had to live I had to live through it and, and withstand it as long as I could or extend it as long as I could find something else to support my family, but there sometimes that even has to take place you know um sometimes we had to lose friends or not be around a friend or a group of people or whatever the case may be um, now in that section there. Instead of falling back and conforming to the world, the book tells us that Christians are supposed to, what? Progression. progression. We're to progress in holy. When you first become a Christian, are you going to know everything? No. No. Are you going to know everything about being holy? No. It's called spiritual growth. That's what it's called. Now there's two folds on that. Sometimes people struggle with that when they first begin becoming, when they were first becoming a Christian, and they progress, 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 and then sometimes we become satiated. We say, "Oh, I have progressed as far as I can go." Is that true? No, no that's not true. There's always room for growth. We can always continue. Now, someone who's been in a church for 20 years opposed to someone who's been in a church for two years. Who's gonna, who should be spiritually more mature? The 20 year person. Should be. If the progression has happened the way it should happen. Now again, it goes back to what Peter's telling his audience. Gird up your loins, have the right mindset, get busy, work, study. You know, the question is for us, is how much time do we study? You know, I always go back to these books. You know, do we study this before we come here on Sunday? You know, that's the question. Do we ever pick this book up and study it? Now, there's a difference between reading it. You can read it, but do you study it? Or do you just say, oh, I'm just going to rely on Matthew? He's going to tell me everything I need to know. Um,. You see, studying and growing is right here, and right here. Number one, that's what you do. You put this. This is a guide. You put this with this, and and you learn a whole lot. And you'll you'll never. I don't care how I don't know how many times I've studied First Peter, <laughs> but every time I go through First Peter, I see something in a different light, in a different way. Uh, all this week, I've been listening to sermons from old preachers about grace and about works and, and going to the Bible and reading and, and saying, oh, man, that's a, that's a different way. That's a different way to look at that. I hadn't thought about that. We continue to grow, but it has to be an effort there to do, to do such things. Um, so again... He urged his, Peter urged his uh, um, audience there to honor the holy God. Christians do the same. One commentator writes, the call to holiness is a basic concept of 1 Peter, which is already surfaced in verse 2. Uh, Holy temple, priesthood, holy people. Christians are to live as persons dedicated to God's service. That's the key. So we have a good understanding. Peter's audience had a good understanding. We have a good understanding of what it means to be holy. Now, will his audience pick that up and go? The question is the same as here this morning. Will you pick that up and go? Could you be holier than you are now? Could you be more obedient than you are now? Can you be more engaged in Bible study than you are now? That's the, that's the question. Next section, 17 through 21. We won't take time to read it because our time is getting away from us. Um, although Peter emphasized the importance of our obedience, he did not diminish God's role in our salvation. Um, you know, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ what? Yeah. Died for us. We're not saved because we are perfect We are saved by the blood of the perfect son of God. That's how we are saved. Grace by faith, in faith, through works. All those things play into our salvation. Personal holiness is possible only because we serve a holy God. You know, he uh, he sent his son to book points out there to die the death that we, we deserved. We deserved that death, not his son. Um, so again, rely, the book lays out, we must rely on him, turn to him, turn to God, do all uh, with understanding that he is completely just. Uh, and he gives us scripture there to back that up. Um, So Peter lays out to his audience to do this there must be a, a, a dependence upon God. Same thing today. If we want to be holy if we want to have knowledge in the scripture if we want to live as Peter has urged his audience here we must turn to God to do that. let must turn to his word. We must turn in in prayer um, it says, Those who lack wisdom, let him pray for it, because God gives it what? Liberally. If you want to know more about Scripture, you want to have wisdom, pray for it. God said He gives it to us. Uh, but it'll only come when we do our part. Um, the, like I said, relying on God is the source of their redemption saved by the Lord's uh, blood uh, not on their possessions or traditions the book lays out uh, a lot of people try to find salvation in those things they want to try to find comfort if you will in those possessions and traditions um, he speaks you know, to, to that corruptible things versus incorruptible Um, and that incorruptible things being our salvation eternally and through the blood of Christ, the Lamb without blemish. Um, One commentator down at the bottom of page 18, regarding its importance, Gruden remarked, by the blood of Christ our consciences are cleansed. We gain bold access to God in worship and prayer and are progressively cleansed from more and more sin." And we're able to conquer the accuser of the, of the brethren, Revelation 12, 11. And I rescued, it says. God's plan, it says, was not an afterthought. What's he referring to there? God's plan the uh, salvation of man even before the foundation of the world. Found a, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, sure, sure did. Oh, uh, the God who knows our needs made provisions for our salvation through his Son's death. Alright, so we've talked about holiness, redemption, now obedience in the last few minutes that we have. We must obey. We've talked about that. Purifying your souls and obeying the truth. Folks, there's no other way to purify your soul other than through the blood of Christ and being completely obedient. That's that's where it lies. And the key word there, meaning, see, being completely obedient, not partially, or partial time, or partial of the plan. Um, you know, that, that's the key. Being completely obedient. One contacts the redeeming blood when he or she obeys the truth. We know that. Having been born again. What's that born again referring to? Baptism. Baptism. Our Lord spoke to uh, Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He says, Heck, the man be what? Born again. That's right. Born of the water of the Spirit, born again. He cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You see, that's the key. Um. So Peter's uh, teaching regarding the conversion process is framed in the same beget birth, um, used by Christ in the conversion of Nicodemus. Um, and that uh, birth being consummated, the book points out there in a the delivery from, uh, from, the water, from the water of baptism. We're baptized into Jesus' death where he, shed, where he shed his blood And when one raises from that water, what's the the result of that? When one has been baptized and one raises, what happens? Walk a different way. Walk a different way, an obedient way. A new way, a new, what does the scripture say? New creature. Not going to be like I was before. Not to say that I'm not going to make mistakes. But I have a new attitude. I have a new way of life. Uh, we walk in that newness of life as the book points out there. And of course, God's word will endure forever. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. So his audience had access to his word and thankfully so do we. When the gospel is preached, individuals have the opportunity to bear or hear and respond, may we do so as obedient children. Now the application is down at the very bottom of that page. The importance of holiness is stressed throughout scripture. Because God is holy, those who follow him must seek what? To live. That's right. To live in a holy manner. If we, we serve a God, if we're going to serve God and be obedient children of God, we are holy because he is holy. Peter wrote that. Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, if you present your bodies a living sacrifice, what? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, verse 1. Uh, The author of Hebrews made a similar point when he penned, pursue peace with all people and holiness. And he says, without, which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Concerning redemption... Redemption is possible for all of mankind. God sent his son for all the world, right? But those only who will accept it, to conform to it, and obey it. Um, We must never diminish his sacrifice by acting as if our possessions or traditions are more important, for they are not. In his infinite wisdom, God devised a plan for our salvation. That plan required the death of his perfect son. We must hear and obey. So what did Peter say we must do uh, on question one? Prepare our minds. Yeah, gird up the loins, prepare your minds for action. Question two, what must Christians avoid? Former lust. Former lust. Why should Christians strive to be holy? The God we serve is holy. What did Peter say redeems the Christian? Blood of, the Lord. Blood of Christ. When did God plan to send, his, send Jesus to die for humanity? For the foundations of the world. What should those who have obeyed the truth do? Love one another with a fervent heart. That's yes, right. How did Peter describe God's Word? Lives and abides forever. All right, that uh, takes us through that, um, that lesson, so let's end with a prayer uh, this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the good night's rest you've given us to be able to refresh our minds and our bodies, to be able to come here this morning and have the health to be able to be here in this assembly. We're thankful for these times that we have to open your word and to see the direction that it gives us Father, help us be obedient, help us be holy to be like you and your son. Forgive us, Father, be with us as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And we can say it's been good to be here today when we leave. In Christ's name we pray, amen.